This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Saturday night, there's a lot going on, and I kind of flipped over toward the end. I saw, oh, look this, Miami, Georgia Tech, very close late. Let me go check that out. And then I saw the debacle. As debacled as I've ever seen a game at the end of a close game. As, I mean, the, the word debacle was debacled. This is not enough. By what Mario Cristobal engineered in a come-from-ahead loss to the Yellow Jackets in Miami, even worse. Chip Patterson joins us, as he does usually on Wednesdays. Today, because hurricanes open up tomorrow, although we could talk hurricanes hockey uh, with Chip because he's a big fan. Um, but let's talk. I want to talk more college football with you today. So is there fallout? I know that there have been people prodding Mario to be more, I don't know, uh, acceptance of the blame here. What was? Have you ever seen... Anything like what Cristobal did, I, although I know he's done it before. Right, and that, so that's why there's so many levels to this. Uh, to answer your question, how about offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson jumping on the grenade on Monday? He already came out and said, no, I made the play call. But I think what's uh, – and by the way, maybe that gets Mario Cristobal famously very challenging to work for. He's very involved yeah. in the activities of his assistants, particularly on the recruiting trail. One read of that is that he's a very good recruiter, does he a is. good job. The other read is that his assistants say, man, it is miserable to work for that guy. <laughs> so, you know, maybe Shannon Dawson is buying himself some good graces for the early signing period by jumping on the responsibility for that. Uh, you mentioned that it's happened before. 2018, very similar scenario, uh, did not end up kneeling when he could have won the game at Oregon against Stanford. The game goes to overtime. It wasn't an outright loss in regulation, but they did end up losing that game in overtime. So, yes, there's a habit of this. How about this? How about there have been no kneels for the Miami Hurricanes this season? Which makes me wonder if right. a famous tough guy Mario Cristobal is like a, oh, we don't kneel because we don't right. drop to one knee. We don't take negative yards. <laughs> I don't like well, they the lost fact- two yards on a play they didn't have to run. So it doesn't – actually, no, it was before the timeout. Here's the thing about it because I considered that. I mean, maybe – and if it's his policy, that's his policy. Everybody should know about it ahead of time. But it's very possible that – in a in an opposite way, he's got a little Greg Schiano in him, right? Remember when Schiano was the head coach of the Buccaneers, and even when the other team was in victory formation, Schiano oh, was the, the guy that year. yeah, like we're taking this play seriously. So guys were like risking injury in a play that really didn't matter. Hey, uh, that's interesting, Adam. What do Greg Schiano and Mario Cristobal have in common? Is it a connection to Miami in the glory days? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, maybe may, maybe that's true. Now, why didn't she? What? Well, why wouldn't Cristobal have simply said something like that? Look, it burned us here, but this is not who we are. Of course, it's silly to like be against automatically winning a game. This is not like the. I have these debates all the time with basketball about um, do you foul or or let a team not let a team shoot a three, but just defend the three. 
that you foul the, the, the guy before he shoots the three, so you can't get beat or tied by a three-pointer. My feeling has always been you simply play it. Don't don't gimmick the game up by intentionally fouling somebody before they get a chance to, to attempt a three-pointer. Just play the game. There's very few guys who are 75% three-point shooters. But, uh, but this is a completely different situation when you have the ball and the other team can't score and there's not enough time on the clock. You simply take a knee. I just don't understand why they didn't. Yeah, and um, you know, you mentioned about Cristobal's response. I didn't like his immediate response in the post game of saying, you know, we coach two hands on the ball. I mean, basically Man. laying the blame with the player. That's no good in my book at all. He is in his Monday press conference in his weekly hit with Joe Rose down in uh, in Miami. I would say he's taken a little bit more responsibility than he did immediately after, but right. Didn't did not like um, that that being the first thing that came to his mind in the scenario. We had to recalibrate. Is something he said. Actually, you didn't. Yeah, I mean, and look, the there is also Cam Kitchens, the All ACC safety, who was up way way too far to be able to allow the Georgia Tech wide receiver, who I believe was an Alabama transfer, to get behind him to be mm-hmm. able to pull that in. I mean, how about this? As every Miami bragged about beating Texas A&M and the ACC's 4-1 and record for the, versus the SEC, but the Texas A&M quarterback just threw a pass to the Alabama wide receiver to beat the Canes. <laughs> and this is the thing that's honestly the most damning. I understand Miami wasn't good last year, but Mario Cristobal has not won a home game in ACC play since taking over, 0-5. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Wow. Well, you know, look, look Chip, do you – fallout like the fallout is how long can Miami's native son ride on being Miami's native son when every piece of evidence that he lays before his fan base the ones that actually are showing up the ones that the camera focuses on in the tight shots because they're not going to show you the wide shots there in Hard Rock Stadium right how long are they going to continue to have a product right in front of their eyes that is not winning football that's interesting. Well, they have a, an opportunity on the road against North Carolina. Real quick, because Miami is still exploring this. Do you think Cheney was actually down? Did the ground cause a fumble? I understand why it didn't get overturned. There just wasn't, I mean, clear-cut video evidence. I kind of thought he was down. I thought I, I kind of thought the. I think it was the arm was down, which caused the fumble, but they didn't overturn the play. You. There's a difference between it was down and it can't. It should be overturned, and I think that's right. one of those plays where yeah. you, I, if if they called well, it, well, we can't punish it, the stupidity. If, yeah, <laughs> if, if you had called it down on the field, right. it probably would have remained. Right. No, the the video just wasn't conclusive enough. I correct. That's that, I agree. I don't want to punish the stupidity, even though you kind of got what you deserved. Um, but on the on the bright side for Miami, all don't lie is the phrase that the uh, esteemed Rasheed Wallace absolutely uh, the great the philosopher Rasheed yeah. Wallace, and he's right. Um, in a way, Cristobal is lucky that they're off to a good start. Although schedule gets a lot tougher, so they'll have Clemson left, and we'll talk about Clemson in a minute. Speaking of UNC Miami, UNC got Tez Walker back. Uh, Tez didn't have a great impact in the game, frankly. Uh, he should have had a touchdown early, but. Drake May missed him and wide open 
on uh, a diagonal route across the field, not covered, and Dre just missed him wide. He threw almost outside the pylon, I think. Uh, but now with McCollum playing as well, and the tight ends are good, and the running game is good, could we see North Carolina take their offense to a new level? Because defense has been pretty good. I don't think defense has been awesome. Defense has been better than expected. But we could could we be seeing their offense go to a new place? Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. I was on your website, and I love the term financial termites because there are always things eating at your money that you can't see. So you don't want financial termites. Termites in the financial world are risk, fees, unnecessary commissions. All the bad things that we see and we hear about on TV are happening many times inside your portfolio you don't see. So you need a financial exterminator. Well, for the next 10 of you to call, we'll put together for you your very own total retirement plan at no cost. Call 888-843-843. 0013 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. I I think it's already pretty daggum high. I think it was. Like, right. How about this? I think that if you go all the way back to maybe the second quarter against Pitt, it's like the switch. Fl- Remember, like, Pitt kind of had the clamps on him early. They, mm-hmm. The run game wasn't really working. And then uh, Drake had to go out there. Yeah, we make a lot out of the left-handed throw. But it was the other throws, like mm-hmm. the really tough, tight window throws that he made against the Panthers um, in that game on Saturday night on the road. Follows that up with another strong performance against Syracuse coming out of the bye. I, I do not want to make Tez Walker's addition – anything you know I don't want to lessen it in any way it is fantastic for him that he's getting to play for the North Carolina Tar Heels this year and especially after he remained so committed to the team you know if he had decided I'm look I don't like the way this is going I don't like the way whatever his relationship mm-hmm. with the school is different he would not have been on the sideline he would not have been an honorary captain he would have not have you know wanted to be mm-hmm. around his teammates in the way that he was with everything that was going on with the NCAA the fact that he did that makes his return an emotional lift. But in terms of X's and O's, in terms of raw production, we're talking about number 10, baby. Like, that is (laughs) the ceiling for North Carolina. When Drake May is playing Mm -hmm. well, they can win the ACC championship. And if, you know, things start to sputter a little bit, then all of a sudden it's going to get a little bit more difficult. But I think that the where he's at, especially over the last, you know, maybe one, seven quarters or so, um, it is it's looking really, really good. It, it is why he came in with all the accolades and expectations that he did. So what's their toughest remaining game? What is Carolina's toughest remaining game? At Clemson. Um, and that that's offensive the line, second toughest remaining game, Clemson. Wait, wait hold on. What would you say? That's Besides that's Clemson? North Carolina's second most difficult remaining game. game oh, you can do get home? <laughs> I'm, right, just, no, I, I'm not, staying on brand, Chip. You understand? Right, listen, you you know I'll, I'll take I'll I'll take that for sure. But my at Clemson is not yeah. just Death Valley, a phenomenal like st- statistically a phenomenal home field advantage in ACC mm-hmm. play uh, throughout this run. But and Duke has a terrific defensive front. Yeah. But Clemson's defense for me is one of the best in the country. I agree, and I agree. I I think that that North Carolina offensive line. It that will be a challenge in Death Valley in mm-hmm. a third and long scenario to be able to hold off a defensive front that has as many different dangerous pieces. I mean, they just trot Xavier Thomas out there for like 15 to 17 snaps a game, and he ends up with like, I don't know, seems like 10 sacks in those 15 <laughs> to 17 snaps. I mean, you yeah. just 
you just have so much specialized talent. They're doing a good job um, with that group in Brent Venable's absence. So, yeah, I would say at Clemson just because that, w- that can be so disruptive. Duke is clearly the, uh, the other team that you would look at as the, the difficult um, you know, roadblock in terms of that ACC championship ceiling that I just mentioned right now. But I, even with the 700-foot or 3,500-foot view, like this, if a plane's flying at 700, that'd be dangerous. Um, <laughs> Very dangerous. I, I think that Florida State and North Carolina felt like they were worlds apart after week two. And yeah. I don't think that as we head into week seven. All right, let me, uh, we have the other local game. We have Duke and NC State this week. Obviously, Duke, uh, you know, they're still saying that Riley Leonard is day-to-day. Um, we all saw him walk off the crutch off the field uh, uh, against Notre Dame two weeks ago. So who knows? It's probably going to be, uh, was it, uh, what, Blevin? Henry Bielen. Bielen. Bielen the fourth. Yeah. Uh, who's got a strong arm. And a capable runner, uh, but he's not Riley Leonard, certainly not at this point. Um, But now we have MJ Morris running NC State's offense, which at least they looked more explosive and more willing. Uh, Could it just, could he be already ahead of Brennan Armstrong? No, I don't think so. If he was already ahead of Brennan Armstrong, then I don't think that we would, um, I don't think we would still see Brennan Armstrong on the field. I don't know if, if he was like worlds ahead of Brennan Armstrong. I don't know if we would still have those specialized packages built into the game plan right. uh, like NC State seemed to. I, my chief concern for this game mm-hmm. has nothing to do with Riley Leonard or even specifically with NC State's quarterback situation. It is NC State's wide receivers against a Duke defense that is going to say, beat us. Right. Okay? What we're going to do is we're going to take our defensive front and your offensive line, which has not been great, we are going to absolutely get after the quarterback in a way that leaves our defensive backs in some difficult situations, but we don't think you're good enough. And the reason why I talk like this is that's exactly what Duke told us when they played Clemson in the yeah, opener. Absolutely. They just went out there and they played man-to-man. Let's and, go. And to an extent, apart from the last play, what they did to Notre Dame. I just, I, I really think that Duke is going to look at NC State's um, offense and they're going to look at the personnel and they're going to look at their own personnel and they're going to say, we can win up front in the trenches and we can win one-on-one matchups on the perimeter. And it will be up to, you know, Casey Concepcion. It will be up to Porter Rooks. It will be up to, you know, pass catchers and skill players to make Duke pay and win one-on-one battles. I don't know, man. Duke's, Duke's done it against Clemson and Notre Dame. And I, I mm-hmm. tend to think that those are, you know, as as faulty as Clemson's offense was early in that game, hey, as Dabo Sweeney told us, they still ran for 200, threw for 200. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, the problem, what was the problem against Wake Forest? In history, yeah. first time in 158 years of Clemson football, rushed for 200. <laughs> um, so I, I think that that's where this game comes down to. And by the way, you talk about Henry Bielen. How about uh, and I heard um, I heard Mike Elko actually point this out recently. He was uh, he was having a conversation with our friends Joe Ovis and Joe Giglio. Uh, he said that on a hail mary pass against Northwestern, they took Riley out and put yeah. Beelan in. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Beelan's got the better arm. Yeah, like that's I'm. I don't know if we're – how about this? When I – let me pull it up real quick. When I ran the Chipolytics for this game, okay. I made it Duke minus 10. And wow. The spread is three and a half. 
I don't think Riley Leonard is a seven point quarterback. I don't, I, I suspect that, uh, that Duke will be able to win that game by a touchdown. I think Duke might be able to win the game with their running game. The way uh, the Wake Duke is varied running the ball, it all depends. Yeah, but let's hey, let's let's not bag on that. Um, State's got a Dab- great defense. I think this is going to be a low scoring game. Davin Van had a good game against yep. Marshall. Like you know, we obviously know that Peyton Wilson is one of the best players in the country. I think I love him. Capital Capital T that Capital D dude. Um, yeah. I'm. I think it will be difficult. Like you said, low scoring game would not surprise me. But just in terms of the value in the betting markets, if if the power ratings are spitting out something between seven and 10, dropping it all the way down to three and a half is an overreaction uh, for Riley Leonard's absence. Uh, all right, uh, Chip Patterson, before we, uh, before we have to say goodbye, Clemson struggled against Wake. I mean, at least final score 17, I think 17 to 12 is kind of weird. Um, at Miami, at State, Home against Notre Dame, home against Georgia Tech, which I said a couple of weeks ago, Georgia Tech was going to be a problem for teams at the top of the division. And as it turned out, they are. Uh, then North Carolina, then out South Carolina. What would be a good year? What would be a, uh, I mean, legitimately a good year against that remaining schedule for the Tigers? I, I think you just got to go program standard. They've had 12 straight seasons of winning double digit games. Um, finish nine and three in the regular season, go to the bowl game with the chance to make it 10. You know, when the bottom fell out and everything was as bad as it's ever gotten back in 2020, they found a way to get to nine wins before the end of the regular season. And or not 2020, uh, 2021, excuse right. me, the next season. Um, they still found a way to, they were in the cheese at bowl. You know, they're used to their oranges on the right. bowl logo being more of the South Florida variety than Tampa. But, you know, they found a way to get out there, get that win, and, and finish 10-3 and three on the season. So, you know, Dabo likes to hold up all the, you know, different goals mm-hmm. and different, you know, ways that you could represent maintaining the standard. I think that the Tigers can go through the rest of that schedule with one loss at a minimum and put themselves in a position to finish 10-3. and three. Notre Dame and Carolina both on their field. So, at the very least, Clemson may determine who plays in the ACC championship, and uh, they've already... Help Duke out in that regard. Uh, Chip, you're the best. I appreciate your time, my friend. I will uh, Maybe I'll see you at a Hurricanes game soon. Hey, listen, if that if, if the bat phone lights up with Dr. Dean, okay, <laughs> come catch me. I'll be there. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. That's good. You'll be well. You got it. All right. Uh, Chip Patterson, usually on Wednesdays, today on Tuesdays. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com.